Never trust a good-looking, ambitious lawyer, ladies. That is the number one takeaway from our book this week, The Seven Levels of Communication. I am John Michael Perry, the REACH Architect, today with... Derek Agerberg, Branch Manager with Academy Mortgage, the Approval Coach. And welcome to the very first episode of the Mastermind Library. Love it. And this number one episode of the Mastermind Library is dedicated to the memory of Mary Lou Perry, who passed away just this last week. And our condolences from the Mastermind Library to you, your father, and the rest of your family. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So with this number one episode, the Mastermind Library presents seven levels of communication going from referrals to relationships by Michael J. Maurer. Now, what, what did this book mean to you back when you first read it? Because this book is not new. It's been out for 25 years now, I think. Isn't that amazing that it's, it's been around that long? And yet most people I don't think have heard of it, but tell me what you thought of when you first read this book, other than apparently there's a good looking somebody or other in the book. Um, what did you take from this book originally and how do you view it now in your position as a business owner? I thought there was a lot of good pieces of information about it. Uh, I like the story. It's a parable. So I like the story aspect. It helped keep me engaged and follow along. I like the lessons it taught because some of them I thought were very practical. I didn't grasp them all at the time because there's a lot of them packed in this tiny little book. There was a lot of takeaways and exercises I thought I could do with my business and I did implement pretty rapidly a couple of them. And I was just really impressed with how much information was in, was in this tiny book and how easy it was to absorb and digest. And it's something that I've come back to over and over again over the last, I think, six, seven years since I was first introduced to it by you that I've implemented more and more. And I've come to the realization that I just think that this is just about the most important book on my bookshelf. Okay, so talk about bookshelf. So you and I both have a tiered system of our bookshelf. So how many books are on the top shelf? 13 books are on the top shelf. 26 books are on the second shelf. 52 books are on the third shelf. Okay, is there a fourth shelf? There's a fourth shelf, a fifth shelf, and a bottom <laughs> shelf. Bottom <laughs> shelves are books I've read that I would probably never recommend to anybody. And I, and unless somebody brought it up to me, I'd, I'd probably never acknowledge I never advocate for them in the first place. Okay, so this also is on the top shelf of my 13. So again, it's interesting that we're starting with a book that is is one of the top 13 most influential books in our perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and yet at the same time, it's such an easy read, like you talked about. It's a it's a parable story that is just, you could, you could chew through this book in a day. But if you actually studied the book and really put some time and effort into it, it may take you six months to a year to actually get comfortable with doing all of the things that the author suggests. And yet those little things don't really cost any money, but those might be the most influential things to make your business a lot of money. Absolutely. Now, why, and I, uh, introspectively, why don't more people listen to these things that don't take a lot of money, they do take some effort, but they're, they're simple to do. Why is it so hard for most people to implement this book? Now, I'm not a psychologist. I'd have to lean on, though, pride and ego uh, sets the pace for everything. Most people who graduate high school never pick up a book again the rest of their life. Uh, 
those who've gone through college, once they get out of college, very few continue reading for pleasure and growth. They've hit that pinnacle because possibly because of our education system, we are requested to read and learn and memorize and do these things that at some point in time, the joy of reading, the joy of learning kind of gets beaten up out of us a little bit. And so we go, once we're done, we're done. End of the school, vacation. Uh, or I know best. I know my business. I know what I'm doing. I, I, I can do it a lot. There's a lot of videos out there that help people these days. Videos are usually a much more enjoyable media consumption than books. I like audiobooks personally, and I think that that helps bridge the gap. It makes it easier for me to consume my books. I can still sit down and read a book. It's just for my schedule and what I do in my life. Audiobooks seems to be the easier, quicker consum consumable product where I can still garner this knowledge and then process it and implement it in my life. So that leads me to two things. Number one, um, I think one of the other things that I view it as is a lot of people are lazy. You know, as, as an American society, we've looked for, give me the pill so I'm not fat. Give me the magic bean for something. Give me the secret sauce. And yet the, the amount of work that it takes, it's, it's not that much more work, but it is work. And, and so there's a process to it. And one of the concepts, which we'll get to in a minute, is m the author talks about a, a stacked lunch, a networking lunch where he builds on something so mm -hmm. it actually takes him less time. So for you, you've done something in your life where you actually take your exercise and your education and you do both of those ease at the same time. So for the audience, you know, maybe it's part of the stack, maybe it's just the only way you could do it, but how do you consume the educational materials that you do? Uh, back in 2020, during the pandemic, our Greyhound puppy started waking up at about 4.35 a.m. So I went downstairs and let her out of her crate and tried to keep her calm so she didn't wake up the rest of the house. Eventually that didn't work. So I took her out for a walk one mile at a time, two miles at a time. Eventually it got to the point where I was walking the dog, jogging the dog about two to three hours a morning, somewhere between six and 15 miles a day. And instead of listening to music, I chose to listen to audiobooks. And through another book, it inspired me to try some things. And now I listen to audiobooks at three to 3.5x speed to. Well, don't get crazy on us. <clears throat> uh, and I go through, on average, about 25 books a month. So, again, it's not necessarily in the book, but for most people, you know, it's the thought of, I can't do it. It, it just, there's no way I can do it. But sometimes it's shifting things in your life where you chose to do it while you're walking your dog. So you're killing several birds. You're, you're taking care of your dog. You're exercising, which yes. in that time you've lost how many pounds? Probably about 30, 40 pounds. Amazing. So your dog is better taken care of. You've lost weight and you can listen to books as well. I know um, Zig Ziglar calls it the, the college of your automobile. It's the educational yes. university on wheels. Um, some people listen to books that way. It, there's ways to do it. So if you really want to find a way, you'll find a way. So going back to the author, it's interesting that he has this pyramid that splits into seven different levels. Correct. So the bottom three levels for everybody's benefit are the? Informative levels. So the, the informational zone, then there's the very center section, which is neither one or the other, but the top three levels are then the? Influential zone. So the influential zone, 
the author talks about their one-on-one meetings, their personal phone calls, their handwritten notes, things that really don't take people a whole lot of effort and money. They just take time. They take time and they take brain power because you actually have to be genuine. The bottom three levels are where you get to things like advertising and mass marketing media that if you think about it, there's this secret hot button pill that everybody wants to take. Hey, I'm gonna spend a lot of money on advertising. But when when somebody says, hey, John, I'm gonna do a mailing campaign because you own a print, a print house. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to do a major mass marketing campaign, what would you expect my return to be? And for everybody return, not necessarily closing, but people just to raise their hand and say, I wanna learn more about that massive postcard. With an effective campaign, you can expect a one to 3% return on your uh, expenditure as far as volume of direct mail. Okay, so that's where the author is trying to make the point, in my opinion, that these things, they really don't get a lot of return, but it's easy to throw a lot of money at marketing and think you're doing really well, as opposed to, let me make a phone call. Let me go see somebody. Let me send them a handwritten card and doing, doing it with genuine authenticity mm-hmm. and consistency. Yes. Now, with that in mind, here's this story of two people. It's a real estate agent who is not doing well and thinking of getting out of the business. And it's a mortgage banker who is come to find out at the end of the story was at one point like him, but turned it around because of these concepts. And so that's the other take for me is that piece where she admitted in the story, she was ready to give up too. And she learned the concepts. We all judge everybody based on where they are at that moment. We don't judge people on the amount of work that they've had to put in to get there. So at this point, I may see John Perry, the reach architect, who is an owner of several businesses, who has his message crafted and he's doing super well in the community. But was that always the case? Oh, definitely not always the case. So how did that change? Investing in myself, investing in the process, investing in my business, not just with money, time, attentiveness, working with our clients and our friends to make them better, be more observant of my surroundings and what works in our market and other markets just like it. There is several things in this book that I think are probably my top two takeaways. And one of them is hiring a coach. If you would have asked me on my first several reads if that was my top takeaway, I'd have been like, no, no, no. At the end of it, though, after this many years, hiring a coach, hiring someone that holds you accountable. Now, I know you've given me a ton of advice over the years and tried to help me even when I couldn't see that you were trying to help me. And you didn't listen to me because you didn't pay me. That's why you weren't being held accountable. (laughs) Well, it's one of those things where it's like, like I said, ego and pride. I knew what I needed at that time. And I guess I did knew what I needed at that time. And that was not to be as successful as I could be. Some of your advice was, was very spot on. Some of it, you said it, said it in a way that I interpreted probably not in the intent that you meant it to be. I couldn't figure out how to get it from how you would take that advice and apply it to you and versus how I should take that apply advice and apply it to me. I've hired a mentor over the last couple of years and he has helped change certain perspectives. He's helped line certain things up and I think I've been more open to other concepts because of it. And I think that this book 
really hammers that home because that has been the guardian guiding the protagonist from the shadows along the way. It's very much the Obi-Wan Kenobi to the Luke Skywalker. And I probably was just as whiny at the beginning, too. So, but now one of the concepts that he talks about is a disc profile. Mm -hmm. And so I think what you're saying, though, is sometimes when I say it, I revert to my natural state, which is a high D, which is a bullet point, short, quick to the point. Now, your, your normal is a what? I think it's a high S, low C, or low I. Okay, so for everybody's benefit, a high S is a what? Uh, I, I'll be honest, I can't remember the terms. Okay, so it, it's steady, it's more the safety, it's the security it's type thing. So again, sometimes I'm speaking French and you're listening in German, but the disc profile is one of the things that he talks about is how do you disc profile your customer, your relations, mm -hmm. everybody that you come in contact with. And for those that don't know what a DISC test is, it stands for D-I-S-C. Do a little Google search mm -hmm. and, and do some, some legwork on that. But that's been very influential, I think, to both of us, just to realize, hey, sometimes the way you say things sounds really kind of low and doldrum-y compared to the way I would want it. And sometimes the way I say it probably sounds like a megaphone yelling at you and both of us don't necessarily understand that other perspective until you dig into what the disc profile is. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, it's, it's going back and saying, okay, Michael has crafted a story that teaches you and I how to sell through referrals and relationships, which is the most profitable, the most fun, because I'd rather hang around with people that I like and know and turn into friends and, and great referral sources. Mm -hmm. So I think you and I met under a different circumstance. We were both part of a networking group and this networking group you attended. Mm -hmm. And at the very end of the networking group, you said, hey, Derek, I do graphic design. I would like all of your business. Can I help you with your business? And something short of that. Yes. And for the benefit of the audience, it felt like premature solicitation. Absolutely. Had no idea who you were, what you were capable of, but it just sounded like, hey, throw me money and I'll do some work for you. Mm -hmm. And what were you thinking at that point? I was thinking that I absolutely could help you. I have worked with other mortgage professionals in the past and if you give me the opportunity to show you my work, it would speak for itself. Yet I didn't qualify that with time, place, location, moment, uh, building a rapport at all, caring about what you cared about. You know, Zig Ziglar says you can help, you can get everything you want in the world if you only help other people get what they want. Mm -hmm. I wasn't caring about what you wanted out of that group, life, anything. I was only looking after myself at the time. And so... Now, coming back at it, though, it's been, what, a dozen years? At least. So coming back to it, I know the position your heart was in. You just genuinely wanted to help. I didn't know you had ever helped anybody before. I didn't know what you were capable of. We had nothing with an R in it. There was no relationship There was no relationship at all. It was a cold talk call. And, and so all of a sudden, it's that immediate turnoff. But fast forward a dozen plus years later, you become one of my best friends that I trust and can use as a sounding board. And everything we've done in our business has been crafted through you, by you, 
or wholly your product. Mm -hmm. Why does it take so long? And I know it's rhetorical, but why does it take so long to build that trust? Because trust takes a long time to build, which is really what the author is saying here is, here's how you develop a process to build a relationship that's built on genuine trust and authenticity. Absolutely. You know, there's a lot that goes on in the system that they present to make sure that everybody knows what's going on with you, that you are actively showing that you're caring about them, the process of them, and how that cycles through the whole book. Um, there's people who treat the services as strict commodities. And by doing that, they are shortchanging themselves and they're shortchanging their potential and they're shortchanging their community. And there's other people who try to sabotage the whole process all the way through. Uh, part of the book even talks about something called success sabotage. And that's where just when you think you're on the verge of taking off, just when you think you're on the verge of having that major breakthrough, life throws you a major, major curveball. And uh, like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, I, I just lost my mother. Uh, the weekend before that, my whole family was laid up in bed sick. Uh, the week before that, my baby was sick. Uh, you know, it's, it was one thing after another after another, and then here we are still starting off this inaugural episode of the Mastermind Library to hopefully share what we've learned and share our perspectives and see if this resonates with somebody else. Because primarily, yes, we're doing this for us. We're doing this to help hold each other accountable, to gather knowledge from these books. By talking about them, we are reiterating points that will become more sticking points in our minds. Hopefully that will resonate with somebody else out there and they will also join in the conversation with us. Maybe bring up points that we never considered, bring different perspectives to our mind front so that we could then explore these other options of these tombs of knowledge and we can then more rapidly grow, progress, succeed. You know, uh, I don't want to be like Edison and have to fail 10,000 or to find out 10,000 ways not to solve a light bulb just to find one way that does. I'd rather be like Tesla and get the metal detector and stick it in that stack of hay to find that needle, to do it a little bit more methodically. Kudos to both of those gentlemen for actually getting it done, though. They did. Um, so what I appreciate is, is Edison did do it 10,000 times. There's a lot of people who would stop at 9,999 and go, man, this just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And they were one step short of figuring that out. Um, when you talked about continue, continuing the conversation, so for everybody who's watching, leave comments down below. Let's start a comment, whether it's just on this book or it's in the message boards. I mean, this is a discussion mm -hmm. to, to continue because I've read this book no less than a half a dozen times. And every time I read it, there's something new that I take away that I go, my gosh, I didn't read that before, or I didn't take that away before. And it's no different than I read it coming from a high D perspective. You read it coming from a high S perspective. And sometimes it's just the, the rose colored glasses we individually wear mm -hmm. that, that say whether it's a great book. So for me, when I go through the book, the takeaways are, you know what? He talks about his power hour. He calls it his first and 10. He's doing what are the most important things every day that he's got to do? His phone calls, his purposeful relationship building things. 
Um, it's sending handwritten thank you cards. Yes. It's it's thanking people in a way that he even explains to people how to write a thank you card, how not to use the word I in there because it's not about me, it's about the receiver. He talks about things that we should know, but most people don't. Use blue ink so it looks original, so it doesn't look like it was just printed on a printer to the point that, you know, he even talks about should you smudge the car, you know, does it look like it's real ink? Yes. Um, he talks about simply when he, he uses the stacked lunch term, but how do we as, as Americans build relationships? Food, it's going out, it's time. And that, that stacked lunch, which I know you've effectively used in your business. So for the audience, what is the stacked lunch and how did it work? So the thing that he talks about in seven levels for a lunch, and this actually starts off near the beginning of the books, you just don't realize it at the time, is that you find a restaurant, you make it your home base. And at that restaurant, you get to know the staff so that they get to know you. You're kind of like a VIP there. So then you invite three to five people back to back to back in different industries that may complement each other to dine with you at these restaurants. You invite them there to get to know them. What are their challenges? What are their struggles? What do they have going on in their life? Because nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So genuinely be authentically investing in them and what they're doing. And during that hour, get to know them. If they ask a little bit about you, sure. But the point is to get to know them and see exactly if there's anything you can do to assist and help them. And then as the time is up, you're, the servers who know you introduce, bring the next uh, lunch date. And if one uh, person is a mortgage broker and another one's a real estate agent, you can be the matchmaker and introduce them. Maybe they know each other, maybe they don't. I've had some very interesting moments where people knew each other and it was great to see each other and where they knew each other and it wasn't so great to see each other. And then where they knew each other and they decided to both sit for another time because they wanted to get to know what each other did as a little bit more as well. It's always been a very interesting thing to have that energy kind of come together at that point. But that's because you were being genuine about it. There was nothing slimy about it. It wasn't underhanded. It no. was it was you taking the time to learn about their business. So not to interrupt, but one of the things in the book is he is introduced to those people, or she is, because um, as the person who understands the system, she's looking for referrals from other people. And because they're good referrals, she then connects with them. So as an example, he says, Hey, do you have a good CPA or financial advisor? And if the answer is yes, then would you introduce me to him? If it's no, may I introduce you to mine? But if it's a yes, would you introduce me to him? That's one of the people that he or she then takes to the mm -hmm. stacked lunch. So I know the people that you were networking with were not just cold calls, but they were people that were referred to you in one sense or the other. Mm -hmm. Some were cold calls. Well, okay. Um, now, how do the cold calls work compared to a personal introduction? Uh, cold calls were not as effective. Some of them completely misinterpreted the, the request for lunch because I just genuinely wanted to know because how else would I get to know about other businesses in my community unless I go and talk to other businesses in my community? Some of them thought that there was something more devious behind it, and that really wasn't the case. <laughs> that was their perspective, and I couldn't change it. So... 
and that's okay because again, I think those people are operating out of a fear and mistrust perspective where again, the author here, it's relationships Mm -hmm. and relationships are genuine, authentic for the betterment of really both people. Again, you go back to Zig Ziglar talking about a win-win scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, But the relationship of the recipient, whether it's a call, whether it's a card, whether it's the stacked lunch, maybe it's, maybe it's passing on a book. It's about that person hoping that they get something out of it. You're not doing it with the thought of getting anything in return. And that's one thing that, again, in business, you say, okay, I'm going to send out a thousand postcards. What's my return on investment? You're actually expecting things in return Mm -hmm. instead of, hey, I'm going to go do a lunch. I'm going to go do a thank you card. I'm going to make a phone call just to see how I can be helpful. And you know what? If I get something back from it, great. But if nothing else, you've built a relationship because I know when you went to go spend time with your mom, it wasn't because you were expecting anything in return. You genuinely just cared about your mom and you wanted to spend time with her. Mm -hmm. Why don't more people operate the way the author says that is such a refreshing thing in business that we could all do that? I wish I knew. I mean, I think one other thing that I emphasize that we've heard in other uh, books and whatnot is the 80-20 rule. 80% of your success comes from 20% of the things you do. And he's emphasizing what we should be doing more of in that 20% to grow that even more mm-hmm. of our time instead of the other little fires that, that we could potentially delegate out or, or move on. And, you know, in this book, the protagonists are a mortgage broker and a real estate agent. Doesn't mean that the knowledge from this book is limited to just those industries. Not at all. I can find ways of applying so much of this to just about any industry that has any sort of outreach to the community or public. So if you have a sales division at all, whether you're a multi-level marketer or a solopreneur or a business owner or a marketing manager, as long as you're not in a cubicle 24 seven and that's your job, this book has so much that can apply to you and can help out. Uh, I understand that some people like just being on the assembly line of Ford, putting in their eight hours a day, coming home and turning on the TV and they are completely content and happy with that. I don't think that this book would be for them. I agree. However, I will say, and you're 100% right, it doesn't have to be somebody who is a real estate agent, a mortgage banker, but it's really anybody whose business is needing to generate money who is responsible for the selling perspective. Now, when I say selling, you could be a restaurant general manager and Mm -hmm. where you did your stacked lunch, could that owner or general manager send you a handwritten thank you card? Sure. Could they have taken the time and effort to learn when John Perry's birthday is and do a birthday call, they could. which is one of the things suggested. Could they call you a month later just to thank you for all of the business that you have brought in and ask if there's anything that they could have done differently to benefit you while you were there? Absolutely. So that restaurateur who is not really individually saying, hey, I'm going to go sell to this person, bring them in for lunch, but restaurants are, are notorious for TV advertising mailers, radio advertising, but they could do one-on-one marketing. Now you talk about the guy on the Ford assembly line. Well, what if it's the 
manager to that line who sends a thank you card to his staff, who does a birthday call to his staff. You're selling your staff to do a good job. So mm -hmm. I do think there's a lot of takeaways that it's not just the selling for the dollars, but it's selling for the relationship that is going to benefit both parties mm -hmm. in the end. I can see that. Um, and again, you go back to everything in the book, such an easy read, but such a difficult time to implement everything if you really wanted to do it effectively and, and completely. Absolutely. I actually developed a, I was inspired by this book to develop a day planner based upon the book. And I had a little box at the bottom of it that um, if I had everything done, I think there was like a hundred and something or maybe 80 something things that should be done in a day. I don't think when I was beta testing it that I ever got more than 60% because it's just tough to, to actually implement everything. Mm -hmm. Um, it is, it is an absolutely phenomenal book. I it even have references to other books, you know, like The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and The Secret and uh, Handwriting. Uh, just handwriting can change your life. life you <clears throat> know, so all these other resources, it even expands upon The Rainmaker, you know, so that you can further expand your knowledge on what it's trying to come across with its message. And as I mentioned before, there's two things I took away. One is a coach. The second one is do it now. You know, that talks about, you know, tapping the wrist, you know, multiple times to make sure that you just do it now because so many times we start things and, or we think about it and then we don't do it. We don't act. Okay. So for everybody's benefit, you kind of went through that quick. What is the tapping the wrist part of the book? So part of it is, so is a habit of tapping the wrist saying, do it now. With a band. With so a they band. have a band that says do, do it, it now. now. And it's just to remind themselves to actually act, to actually do it. Uh, one of the points they make up is that there was a point where the protagonist didn't make a phone, uh, wasn't there, or didn't make a phone call. And he's like, I don't know, you know, it's like, I feel that it's just not right or whatever. And it's like, that is v very selfish of him. It is selfish of him because he is retaining knowledge that he thinks may be beneficial to something else versus the fear of being rejected by calling. So... But he doesn't even get the person to react. And I feel that in general in life, a lot of people are fearful mm -hmm. of rejection, uh, mockery. Uh, we let these fears override our lives. And yet sometimes we just got to do it and we could be very surprised by the outcome of doing it. Because then at least if we try, we tried. You yeah. know, if we're trying to help someone, you know, we help them. Going back to the cold call lunch that didn't end up well, you know what? I wouldn't have known had we not reached out to him, his perspective, his side, and what it was. Equally, I wouldn't have been able to help out dozens of others if we didn't call. Yeah. So by doing it, you're, you've got to be prepared for some negativity. Yet, overall, you'd be some, it's better than wondering what if. So you talked about a couple of your takeaways. A couple of my takeaways are, number one, the the gratitude journal or the gratitude book starting out your day with with the mindset of yes. being grateful now you talked about losing your mother mm -hmm. your family was being sick mm -hmm. your baby was sick for a while um you could start all of those days and weeks with such a negative mindset um it's kind of like you know you stub your toe does that turn your whole day into a negative spiral or is it just something that happened and you move on so the gratitude journal of just finding something that you're grateful for. And it could be 
hey, I'm grateful that I have a cup of coffee and I have a roof over my head and I get to watch an amazing sunrise in the morning here in Yuma, Arizona, where the weather is really good. You know, I'm grateful that my family's healthy and that, you know, I did have parents and you, you know, those kinds of things. Now, the second thing is, and I'm a math guy, but talking about his sales math. Yes. Now, he uses, uses different numbers, but how many people know 100 people? Most people, Everybody. I think, would know 100 people. Okay, so his sales math is if you concentrated on, and use 100 for me, since the math is easy that way, if 100 people you know, and they know 100 people, 100 times 100 is 10,000 people. That's a lot of people. So if you, that's your influential zone, you really have the ability to make a difference with about 10,000 people. Now, in my world, the average person buys a new home about every five years. Yes. So I have the ability to finance every five years for that database. So if I was doing my job, my career, I would have about 2,000 because 20%, one every five years, I would have about 2,000 at-bats per year. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is way more than almost every mortgage banker and broker in this United States can do. So that's all you need to do. Now, I know, again, let's say a car salesman. How often do most people buy a car? Weirdly enough, it's about every five years. Why do you think they came out with a 60-month loan? Because the average person paid it off over five years and then turned around and bought a new one. You know, how often does somebody need to create a new marketing campaign in your perspective? Much different timeline, but how often, let's say a company wanted to rebrand themselves and really dig into their image again. It starts, uh, let's use Target as an example. They had an outstanding campaign mm -hmm. for the last 20 years. It really starts with one idea that they permeate throughout and then about year two to three, it evolves. It still feels very much like their brand, yet there are differences. There's, um, it maybe went from illustrated to photorealistic. It, there's some, some aesthetic perspectives, yet it all still feels very much like the brand. So it, when it comes to marking a, an event, an, a brand needs to evolve over time and, and also keep touch points with the audience. Think about McDonald's, you know, Ronald McDonald is no longer front and center of their children's line. Although it, I think they just brought back the Happy Meal. No, the Happy Meals. Well, the Happy Meal <laughs> they just brought out for an adult. They just came out with an adult Happy Meal. But the Happy <clears throat> Meal itself was just a smile on a box, and that's mm -hmm. replaced, uh, you know, McDonald, uh, Ronald McDonald. Uh, they have pop celebrities in music uh, endorsing their products. You know, something that's current and at the time. Uh, they've had athletes who are popular at the time promote their their stuff there is their restaurants have been remodeled for a more modern aesthetic because that is much more prevalent at the time than the kitty mm -hmm. playhouse that it was i think when you and i were growing up so so for for everybody's benefit then businesses evolve and grow and if you understand that life cycle you and your industry would know how often that that you have those businesses coming back it's the sales math to go oh my gosh here's how often X number of customers will come in. So if you go back to the restaurant that you did your stacked lunch, how often would you or I assume that a customer would go there? Is it once a week? Is it once a month? Is it once every two weeks? If that owner knew that sales math, 
they would know how many customers to keep in their database to really build the relationships. And again, the, the author, Michael, talks about rank your, your relationships, mm -hmm. A's, B's, C's, and D's. And the D's cut out, throw away, start concentrating on your A's, your ambassadors, yes. and really start moving your B's and C's up. To the ambassador to, champion mm -hmm. level. And so he, he, again, systematically talks about, hey, here's how you should contact about 20 B's at a time because you don't want to do everybody who you think is a B because then you're going to get flooded and you're going to be overwhelmed and you're not going to be able to respond to them effectively. But it's building the relationships one at a time or 20 at a time, whatever it is, to then top grade your relationships. And those people that you're not really in relationship with, let them go. And it's, it's nothing against them or you. It's just not a good fit. So go back to when you and I were at that networking meeting, there was a choice that here's a, a premature cold call solicitation. Mm -hmm. Let it go or dig in a little bit more. I dug in a little bit more. You dug in a little bit more. And that's turned into a friendship that I genuinely cherish. So I hope this mastermind library continues for a very long time. Absolutely. But it's also one of those things that I now would do a lot for you. I don't care if I get anything in return. And I know you've done a lot for me, not caring if you do anything in return. But turn the prism from a business perspective, I've paid you a significant amount of money over the years, and you've paid us a significant amount of money. And nowhere in there have you ever said, Derek, cut your cost. And nowhere in there have I said, hey, John Perry, do this one for free. Mm -hmm because that's not what a genuine relationship no. is. The person who comes to you, and, and again, for everybody's benefit, having print Zoom and imaginary friends, I could go to you and say, hey, can you get me some cheap business cards? Absolutely. And you can find those companies online all over the place. Is that your ideal customer? It is not my ideal customer. Okay, so cheap, cheap, cheap business cards that are run of the mill, is not going to build anybody's brand. It's this all-encompassing thing that John Perry wants to, and I know your, your internal dialogue, what do you want to do for rural businesses? Oh, I want to help them reverse the big box effect. I want to help them uh, find other ways to bring in income that they may not even know or understand to open their eyes to, and there's multiple ways of doing it. You know, one way is finding out are they, is their ideal customer local? And if so, how do they touch those local points? What points do they need to show that they're competitive on to grab, grab that local customer? But the bigger thing that most of them don't take the time or the energy is to explore larger dollar markets to see how they could potentially penetrate them uh, systematically and bring in revenue into their shop, which would then be able to be shared in their community. We hear that when people shop local, that 80% of the money stays local. When people shop at a big box, that only 18%, 21%? That one's above my pay grade. Stays local because, yes, it does pay for some of the local employees that are working at these boxes, but it goes off the corporate. Is there ways that that can be reversed? And we've devised methods of how to actually do that and to assist these and to do feasibility studies for companies to see if that is a viable option for them to go forward with. Now, here's where I was going with that, though. I do get my business cards from you. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I don't care. I care, but I don't care what the cost is. I'm not going to go, hey, John Perry, this online company's five bucks cheaper for a box. No, because I know what you've done and I know where your business heart is that you want everything to connect together. So Absolutely. if you looked at, at our image, the business cards match the footer, which matches the concierge package, which matches all of the print advertising, which then also matches all of my online advertising. There's a seamless feel to it. So people may assume they see things more often, but it's just because it has the same consistent messaging. Mm -hmm. That's way more impactful than a $5 cheaper business card box. Now, again, there are businesses that succeed on the $5 a cheaper box. Mm -hmm. That's their business model. That's not yours. You want to genuinely help people in the community, which is why you get other referrals, which again, going back to the author, it's building the relationships with your ambassadors and your champions. And you've been a ambassador and champion for our mortgage business for Absolutely. a long time. And I hope we've been a champion and an ambassador for your business for a long time because of that R word called a relationship. And again, the number one thing is when I read this book the first time, there was so much information. It was like drinking out of a fire hose. Um, but having read it no less than six times and listened to it a few more times, you start realizing there's so many nuggets that if you just pulled this out and implemented it a little better, worked on your scripting a little bit more tactfully. And he has, he has scripts, he has processes, he has days written out. He literally gives you the roadmap to mm -hmm. go from referrals to the relationship. Most people just will never implement fast enough to get there. And I think that's my takeaway is whoever implements the fastest this book will succeed beyond their wildest dreams. And those that, you know, again, some people have the best of intentions, but we grade ourselves on our own intentions mm -hmm. and everybody else by their actions. So I go, man, John Perry, I really wish you would have implemented that whole book like 10 years ago. But I intended to do the whole book and I only maybe did 60 or 70 percent of it. No, let's just implement the whole gosh darn thing because I, I promise everybody who reads this book that implements the entire book will will be successful beyond their wildest dreams in their businesses. That's pretty much my takeaway. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that anybody who can actually go through this book, even if they only implement 50% of it, you'll be amazed by the growth that you'll have because of that 50% implementation. Go back again, find a couple more nuggets, implement it 60%, implement it 70%. Do as much as you can, and you will be blown away by how it will impact you, your life, and your business entity. And just to finish up, so the good-looking lawyer actually tries to cheat on his fiance. That's the, the end all of the book, so spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So... <clears throat> your your moral of the story is never trust a good-looking attorney, is that? Who's, who's ambitious. Who's ambitious. Who's ambitious and single. So, you know, again, from all of us at the Mastermind Library, I really want to thank Michael Maurer for authoring this book. And, again, the amount of time and effort, I think, is, is taken to create something like this. What do you and I spend on a book? Twenty dollars, twenty bucks, forty dollars, because we probably get the audio book if we really, if, as well as the physical copy. Okay, so you and I, kind of, again, we we buy the audio book, we buy the physical book, because I'd rather listen to it 
like you do fast. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not quite as fast as you. I'm about two to two and a half speed most of the time. But again, that means I can get through a 12 hour book in six hours. You're at say three times speed. So you're getting through that 12 hour book in four Four hours. hours. But I buy the book as well. Absolutely. It's great for referencing when you have the book because going into it and wanting to go to, oh, let me look about the tombstone exercise or the eulogy exercise, and you can just go to that page. Wait, you haven't told anybody on this this about that. They'll have to read the book in They'll order to, to find out about it. Um, but, but you talk about those things and you say, wait a minute, we're giving the author, not the author, we're giving the publisher 40 bucks maybe. Yes. And some of that goes to the author. Some of it goes to the print house. Some of it goes to the distributor, et cetera, the producer, you know, whoever is involved. But the amount of money that I'm sure most authors get, not all, because some of them are very, very successful with their endeavors. But the amount of money most authors get, I don't know is I would really want to go that way to, to spend years of your life to go back and do that. So again, hats off to Michael Maurer and, and you did the tombstone. So one of the reasons, if you read the preface to the book, mm-hmm. he does this because of a life emergency, he has a medical issue. Mm-hmm. And he also does it because he wished his father had written his memoirs. Yes. And so he talks about this book. He believes he wrote with his father and, and his influence through the book. So, you know, I would challenge both you and myself to write some things for our kids and our friends and our families going forward um, and maybe write the John Perry story along with his mother. So, again, from all of us here, and, and you can certainly sign off as well, but I greatly appreciate what Michael Maurer wrote for us, and I greatly appreciate you allowing us as the Mastermind Library to dedicate episode number one to Mary Lou Perry. Thank you, Derek, and thank you all for listening. Again, love to hear some feedback from you, so please uh, post your thoughts in the comments below. Uh, this is our inaugural episode, and thank you for joining us. I'm John Perry, Derek Egerberg, Mastermind Library. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye for now.